This program is a production of Rutgers Global. Rutgers Vision. Globalize the world. International learning. Unique opportunities. Global health. Study abroad. Impact on human lives. Expand my horizons. This is Rutgers Around the World, a finger on the pulse of all things global at Rutgers. Hi, I'm Jane Chaco, Rutgers Junior and host of the podcast Rutgers Around the World. Valentine's Day is known internationally as the Day of Love, a day when people of many countries around the world celebrate romantic love and express affection for those closest to them. In Germany, couples exchange pig-themed gifts, and in South Africa, women literally wear their hearts on their sleeves, pinning the names of their love interests on their shirt sleeves. All this love talk had me thinking. While Valentine's Day might be celebrated with different traditions in other countries, is the way we fall in love around the world really that different? We delve into this question and others with our next guest, Dr. Helen Fisher. Dr. Helen Fisher is a biological anthropologist and member of the Center for Human Evolutionary Studies in the Department of Anthropology at Rutgers. She is also a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and chief scientific advisor to the internet dating site Match.com. Dr. Fisher has conducted extensive research across the globe and written six books on the evolution and future of human sex, love, marriage, and gender differences in the brain. She joins us now via phone. Dr. Fisher, welcome on Rutgers Around the World. Thank you for joining us. I'm delighted to be with you. How do we fall in love, and is it the same across the world? Yes, it is the same. Uh, We express it differently in different parts of the world. I mean, different people have different customs uh, for romance and for marriage, but it's basically the same brain system. You know, I and my colleagues have now put over 100 people into a brain scanner using functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, um, to find the brain circuitry of romantic love. And we put people in the machine who had just fallen happily in love and others who had just been rejected in love and than some who were in love long-term. And as it turns out, this is a basic brain system. It lies in the very base of the brain linked with drive. In fact, it lies right near brain regions that orchestrate thirst and hunger. It's a drive. It's a drive to find life's greatest prize, really, a mating partner. So it's a basic brain system, like the fear system or the anger system. It's human, evolved millions of years ago. You were part of a study that looked at the brain activity of Chinese students in love a few years ago and controlled the experiment by looking at the brain activity of American students in love. What did you find? Among those people who were madly in love, the basic brain system, uh, the dopamine system that becomes triggered, was the same among the Chinese as it was among the Americans, which uh, didn't surprise me. But, you know, um, they're going to do it a little bit differently. We really actively and openly date. They're just slowly getting rid of all of their beliefs of an arranged marriage and more and more doing what they call free love, which is um, picking the partner for yourself. We also looked at what happens to the brain when you're in a long-term happy marriage. This is what we found in our Chinese people. who We went back, actually, almost four years later to see who was still in a in a relationship. And this is what we found. Three brain regions become active when you are happily in love. A brain region linked with empathy, a brain region linked with controlling your own stress and your own emotions, and a brain region linked with what I call positive illusions, the ability to overlook what you don't like about somebody and focus on what you do. So we're beginning to understand not only what romantic love is, 
Um, uh, but what makes a romantic love be sustained in a long-term partnership? What about other countries around the world? How does culture impact the way we love? In um, India, for example, they've got uh, um, still have quite a few arranged marriages now, uh, and they often feel that uh, first we marry and then we fall in love. And they've got this very fancy wedding ceremony that goes on for four or five days. And very often they say somebody will fall in love actually during the wedding uh, ceremony. And I'm not surprised at that because the wedding ceremony is so exciting and that can drive up the dopamine system in the brain and actually push you over to the threshold into falling in love. Are there differences between countries and our attitudes to love and the way we express our love? Definitely. um, You know, when you, I'm an anthropologist and so, you know, I study people who live up the Amazon River and in the the deserts of Botswana. In fact, I asked one little boy, uh, a a Hadza, hunter-gatherer Hadza, did he have a girlfriend? And he replied, I saw a girl, and when I grow up, I'm going to kill a zebra and give her the tail. So that's a very different present than what we give today, but the sentiment is the same. It shows that the prison can actually provide. I mean, you know, in America... You can bring chocolate and flowers, and that's not a good, uh, you know, signal that you're necessarily going to be the head of the bank and be very supportive of your children and your future. So um, in many respects, the zebra's tail says a great deal more about the talents of the boy than we do with some of our expressions of romance. Would you say that technology has changed the way we fall in love? That's very good that you said it just that way. It is changing the way we fall in love. It's not changing love. You can't kill romantic love. It's a basic brain system. In my day, they called you up on the telephone. These days, they are, you know, texting and emailing and looking for somebody on the Internet. And that is different. There's no question about it. But these Internet dating sites, they're not dating sites. They are introducing sites. We can give you a host of what you're looking for, but you've got to get out there, look at that person. The only real algorithm is your own brain. And when you meet somebody in person, you smile the way you always did, you laugh the way you always did, you parade the way you always did, you listen the way you always did, you try to impress the way you always did. So all they are is the newest device to do the same old thing. Are millennials doing anything differently? I am really impressed with millennials. I think millennials are introducing something really smart. I don't know if they know that, but I call it slow love. What they're doing is they're being very cautious. They're trying to figure out who somebody is, whether they want to go any farther. They're living together before they wed. We're seeing a real extension of that period of time of getting to know somebody before they walk down the aisle. So I did a study of 1,100 married people, and I asked a lot of questions. But one of the questions was, would you remarry the person you're currently married to? And 81% said yes. So uh, marriage rates actually are going up right now. Divorce is stable, going down maybe a little. And we're marrying later. And the later you marry, the more experience that you've got, the more likely you are to remain married. And that's what the millennials are doing. Are there any major trends that affect the way we love? The biggest trend of all is women piling into the job market in cultures around the world. And with that, they're marrying later, having fewer children, expressing their sexuality more, 
They can walk out of bad relationships in order to make better ones. All of that and much more is changing the dating landscape. They're still falling in love, but it's changing how we court. Dr. Fisher, from everything we've discussed today, it sounds like there's a lot to be hopeful about and that love is truly a universal language. Thank you for your insight. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Helen Fisher, biological anthropologist and member of the Center for Human Evolutionary Studies in the Department of Anthropology at Rutgers. Dr. Fisher is also a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and chief scientific advisor to the internet dating website, Match.com. Special thanks to WRSU 88.7 FM, Rutgers Radio, for making this interview possible. That's all for this episode of Rutgers Around the World. Join us next time as we discuss all things global with members of the Rutgers community. Thanks for listening.